fantasy coaches, and welcome to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester. By my side's producer, J.P. Gale, and today we'll be joined by Yahoo Fantasy expert, Andy Behrens. Andy is finished in the top three of our expert accuracy competition twice, and he's finished in the top 30 out of over 120 experts five of seven years. Andy, thanks for joining us. That's a great resume, by the way. Uh, it's not bad. It's not bad. I think I have a baseball title, too, which, uh, you know, there's that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to have you on for the baseball podcast. I'm, I'm reasonably uh, happy with it. I'm sure I didn't get a baseball title this year, though. I couldn't have blown um, I couldn't have blown it more. Um, but, yeah, thanks. It's great to be here. You guys have been, um, uh, you know, you guys have been wonderful partners for Yahoo for a long period of time. You, you absolutely have the best. Um, your, it is not an exaggeration to say that your rankings tools have changed. Um, changed my life for the better. <laughs> we, that makes me so glad to hear. Thank back you, Andy. In, back in the day, man, we used to, um, oh gosh, uh, the dark ages of fantasy ranking. Um, Brandon Funston would send out the Yahoo crew like a an Excel spreadsheet in which to rank every week. And it was just, it was full of like HTML code. <laughs> it was just a total nightmare. Um, and you guys have... You guys have probably given back, I don't know, four hours of my week. And for that, I am I am eternally grateful. That's terrific. Andy, let's jump over to some of this fantasy football talk. I can't get my hands around the LDL Beckham story. Has he really lost his edge or is he just speaking out of frustration? I mean, he's had a, a really hard schedule and I know he's an emotional player, but what's going on here? I mean, Odell Beckham is one of the most physically gifted receivers in, I don't know, possibly in NFL history. And I think that is a guy just speaking from a position of frustration. It has got to, uh, it, it. I mean, obviously football is a really emotional game, right? And it's easy to, um, it, it's, it's kind of easy to to become unhinged in any given moment. Um, it, it is perfectly clear, though, that the the roadmap to defending Beckham right now involves getting in his face early and often in a game, um, whether whether you late hit him, whether you get a little too grabby with him, whether you just get in his, uh, in his face mask um, in the first quarter and get him thinking about you instead of, you know, thinking about running his routes and thinking about... Um, uh, you know, executing his responsibilities on every play. It does clearly seem like that is uh, the the playbook against him. It is he, he is impossible to defend physically for any one person. But if you can get inside his head, um, that is a thing. Um, I have no doubt that it's that it's real. Um, I, I just have to think that Beckham finds a way to overcome it. Um, we, we would have thought coming into the season that your big worry with Odell Beckham is, oh, gosh, what if he strains his hamstring again and he's out for, you know, however long. This is definitely a new wrinkle, um, but it is a, it, I mean, it, it it seems like he should be able to overcome this, right? Um, I don't know that it starts this week with Green Bay, but um, I, I still like Beckham's chances in any given week to find the end zone. I mean, coming into the season, he'd basically been a touchdown per game sort of player. Uh, he's still going to be heavily targeted. You know, I, I I think he's one of the more like he's such an obvious buy low that I don't even like to talk about him as a buy low because then I feel like you're just speaking to people in like eight and ten team family leagues or something like that. Right. Like everybody knows that Odell Beckham is as gifted as it gets in the NFL and he's probably going to find his way. Um, it, it would be maddening to me if I were a Giants fan. Um, it's just, it just feels like a small inconvenience as a fantasy owner, though, to be perfectly honest. Now, if the draft were today, how high would you take him? Is he still a top five player? 
He wouldn't. So I'm not somebody who had him as a no doubt, like number two, number three in the draft player. Um, unless it was I had a, him in, low uh, because of the Josh Norman game scared me in those hammies like you talked about. Yeah. Unless it was a I mean, I was some of that is that I was just I'm not a you know, I'm not a zero RB guy. I was higher on David Johnson. Um, I was higher uh, to my, you know, my own fault. I was higher on Todd Gurley. That's not looking great. Uh, that's, but, he's um, going to bounce back here. But uh, here, let's hope. <laughs> like, I need it. Um, so I was not somebody who just reflexively was taking Odell Beckham number two anyway. Um, that said, I think he's still solidly. I mean, look at the first round. Like, you're you're no longer taking Gronk in the first round, I'd say. You're no longer I'd taking. I Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell right now um, o- over. Oh, sure. Odell Absolutely. Le'Veon Bell has moved into that first round. And, and before the suspension, I actually I had Le'Veon as my number one overall player. So I think Le'Veon is a top three guy who probably displaces Odell. Um Zeke Elliott was already a first rounder for me, but I think DeAndre Hopkins has probably moved out of the first round. Um, I think Gronk has moved out of the first round. And I, I, you know, I think Odell is, is now probably comfortably in the back half of the first round instead of the first half. Well, what we're going to do today, we're going to discuss our week five rankings compared to the expert consensus rankings. So for those of you listening at home, if you want to follow along, you can go to fantasypros.com, then click week five rankings right under where it says fantasy tools. If you ever want to see where one specific expert stands, click NFL at the top of the homepage, then drop down under research. Then on the bottom right, click dissenting opinions. We'll type in Andy, then select him. Then in the other drop down, type in ECR, or you can compare Andy and Bobby Sylvester. It's a really cool tool. I like this one a lot. All right, Andy, let's start at quarterback. I'll just say, and you, you can also go. You can also go to sports.yahoo.com/fantasy. You can find all of the Yahoo Cruise ranks there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's start at, uh, at quarterback. You've got Big Ben number one. I've got Andrew Luck, and ECR has Aaron Rodgers. So tell us why Big Ben for you. Yeah. So this this is one of those things where like at the top of the ranks, um, there's not going to be a whole lot of people who are wrestling with a Big Ben or Aaron Rodgers decision. Right. And I have um, I've been at one. I have Rodgers at two. I have luck at four. If you somehow saddled yourself with two of those guys, um, throw one of them on the trade block. Right. Um, I basically if we're putting anybody in the top five, we can see a path to them finishing uh, first overall. Right. It wouldn't shock me if it were Aaron Rodgers. It wouldn't shock me certainly if it were Andrew Luck at home against the Bears. Um, I see Roethlisberger with a matchup against a Jets defense that I cannot, I cannot believe I'm even saying this. They are allowing 9.7 yards per pass attempt this year. Um, that is stunning. Um, and of course I don't expect it to continue because that is a ridiculous number, but, um, they are absolutely not stopping the pass. Um, Ben at home with a, with a healthy group of receivers. Um, Sammy Coates has been wonderful. I'm not going to be, you know, in fact, I'll be mildly surprised if Sammy Coates doesn't have like a 50 yard touchdown this week because he has just been such a great, you know, they all all kinds of flaws there. Not a not a perfectly refined receiver, but such a great big play specialist. And then, of course, you have Earth's best receiver in Antonio Brown. Um, you know, Ben to me is just an obvious start against a, a defense that cannot stop the pass at all, and is now in a hostile environment facing one of the best passers on earth. Now, you and I are both really high in Andy Dalton and Joe Flacco this week. Why do you like these two mediocre quarterbacks in week five? <laughs> <laughs> well, Andy Dalton is the guy who gets to throw to A.J. Green, which is nice facing a Dallas defense that is no better than middle of the pack and that I eventually think is going to finish probably bottom fourth, bottom third of the league against the pass. So, and the Bengals have some extra rest this week. 
Yeah, yeah. To me, this is just friendly matchup, and he's got an absolute superhero that he gets to throw to. So um, I don't know that Eifert comes back this week. If he does, I don't know that that's a huge difference maker because I would expect him to be limited. Um, but, I, you know, I, 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 I'm hesitant to call Andy Dalton a mediocre quarterback because um, you're overselling the number of legitimately great quarterbacks in the league, right? Like, I think by NFL standards right now, Andy Dalton is, is I don't know, is he top 12? Is he top 14? He's close. Um, I, I think he's a pretty reliable start. I, I would be surprised if he finishes outside the top 12 this week. And Joe, yeah, man, I never enjoy watching Joe Flacco necessarily. Um, but this is a pretty friendly matchup with a Washington defense that I think ranks number 25 against the pass right now, 25, 26, something like that. Um, Washington also given up uh, eight yards per pass attempt on the year. While while all of Flacco's receivers are healthy, you know, Wallace healthy, Smith healthy, Pitta healthy, I don't necessarily expect that to last, but um, he's, got a, he's got a full cast at his disposal right now, and I, I would be a little bit surprised if he didn't give us a top 14-ish fantasy finish. Yep, yep. I've got them both there right in the top 12. So, um, you know, if it comes down to it, sit or start, I am starting Flacco and Dalton as long as you don't have one of those other top tier guys. Likewise, we both have Matt Ryan listed lower than expert consensus. We have not QB 17 and QB 18. Why are you telling fantasy owners not to start him after tearing up a Super Bowl defense? I mean, he's the MVP in the NFL right now, right? Yeah, well, there's a lot wrong with um, Carolina's defense right now, and there's not much wrong with Denver's defense. Uh, this is this is entirely matchup based. Um, I'm I, I will say I'm surprised at the number of questions that I'm getting from um, followers, just like on social, about whether Matt Ryan is an every week no doubt sort of fantasy quarterback. I mean, I, like of course he's not. Of course he's not. Um, Matt, uh, like I, there's no way I'm starting Matt Ryan in a matchup against Denver. Um, it could work out, but um, Matt Ryan for a while now has been a, a pretty ordinary passer by NFL standards, um, a guy where you rarely expect two huge weeks in a row. Um, and, and now he happens to be facing the defense that has inarguably the best secondary, right? Like there's, this is a, it's, it's almost problematic for Julio Jones this week, right? Because Denver is the one team where I really get, you know, there's, there's no individual corner in the league where I'm like, Oh gosh, I can't start my guy against, you know, Sherman or Norman, whatever. Um, but Denver is the one team where there's no place to hide. That's a good way to put it. You know, the, the I mean, the third corner on that team, Roby, is really good, and Harris and, and Talib are just outstanding. Um, so there's no, you can't really scheme to get away from a, a really, really good DB against that team. So that worries me. Um, just the 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 overall outlook for Atlanta's offense at Denver worries me a great deal. I mean, I'm, I, if they can score more than 24 points this week, good, good for them. But I, there's just no way that they're going to hit 40 again. Okay, Andy. So I'm looking at your running back rankings and you have Jay Ajayi number 27. ECR has him number 38. So why are you so bullish on him this year? I think what you're probably seeing in industry consensus right now, and it's reasonable, is um, uh, you know just a general uncertainty about what it's going to look like in Miami this week, right? Like, um, I don't think we have hard word as of this moment that Foster isn't going to play. Um, there, there is a bit of talk now that we're uh, Miami's going to get the backfield down to probably just Drake and Ajayi. Um, I think Ajayi has been. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I just don't see Drake as a full workload guy. I, I just don't see Drake as a guy who ever steps into a role. I mean, he, he didn't do it in college. I don't see him as a guy who's going to who's gonna become all of a sudden the lead back in that backfield. I think Ajayi is a better candidate for that. Um, I think he's passed the eye test so far. Um, the numbers are perfectly fine. Uh, I, I think he's a competent receiver. It's not a matchup that terrifies me necessarily. So I think Ajay is probably the one guy that you want to own there. Um, I think he'll be okay in standard and PPR. Um, I, I mean, I didn't rank him as a guy that you absolutely have to start. I, I just think he's probably the, you know, somebody on that team, some running back on that team has a chance to find the end zone. And I think he probably has the, the most likely shot. Could you see him stealing that job from Arian Foster when Foster comes back? I think there is a non-trivial chance that Arian Foster is down for a, a long time. I mean, I could be totally wrong about that, but you, you consider the age of the player, the mileage of the player, the nature of the injury, the fact that it is not his first time with this injury, um, and just sort of his history generally of slow recovery from these soft tissue issues. I mean, I'm, I'm not holding my breath waiting for Arian Foster to come back, and I would be very surprised if when he does come back, he is the unrivaled lead back. I mean, I, I think they have to, you know, if they expect to get anything out of him rest of season, they've got to, I mean, they've got to wrap him in bubble and limit his, limit his touches to some extent. Give, go ahead and give Arian Foster the most important touches um, in the most important areas of the field. But I, I can't imagine that they will bring Arian Foster back as a guy who gets more than 15 a game. Okay, Andy, this one has me really intrigued because because I'm just not seeing it. I'll just say that Terrence West at number 13. He's hardly on my radar with Kenneth Dixon coming back. Talk me into sanity. You've got to be kidding me. Really? Like, you think Kenneth Dixon is going to leapfrog him right away? I do. I do. I think they're going to give him the ball. I think uh, that's why they drafted him. It's what it looked like in the preseason. And, you know, maybe he's not ready for a full workload right now. But I just think that West isn't going to get a ton of touches. I think we probably get a proof of concept game out of Kenneth Dixon. Um, they have they have brought him along really slow. I mean, I, I at least think in this week, um, the idea that Kenneth Dixon will come back as uh, anything more than a than a cameo player is really just sort of wish casting. Um, Terrence West looked really good last week, like not really good in, you know, I don't think he's some electric runner. I don't think he is the flashiest player in the game, Um, but he looked like a, like a smart NFL running back with plenty of experience. Um, He looked like, you know, we think about, I don't know why I'm bringing Todd Gurley into this, but you think about some of the things that are wrong with Todd Gurley right now, not just, um, you know, not just the fact that defenses are stacking the line against him, but he is about as impatient a back as you will ever see. Um, um, Terrence West had none of that. I thought he set up his blocks really well. I thought he was almost a technician on uh, a whole bunch of runs last week. And uh, it is going to floor me if, and I like, I like Kenneth Dixon, liked him coming into the season, liked him pre-injury. Um, it is just going to floor me if Kenneth Dixon within any short period of time is suddenly getting 20 plus touches a game. Um, I, I think it sets up really well for those two to share the job and probably in the way that, uh, that West and, and uh, Forsett were sharing the job. Um, but West looked really good. And if West isn't getting a bunch of early down work and goal line work, I'm, I'm just going to be shocked. I mean, I think he looked great last week and uh, there's 
there's nothing about a matchup with Washington that scares me. They give up almost five yards per carry, over 130 rushing yards per game, um, eight rushing TDs on the season. It's just a great matchup. And I was very impressed with West last week. And, you know, some of this is, um, you know, especially once I've watched uh, tape from a game or a player, maybe I'm too, um, maybe I lean in that direction too much. But I just, relative to my expectations, um, West impressed me almost more more than any any player in the game last week you're, you're not that far off from ecr so it's not like you're the crazy one here i'm trying i'm trying okay, to figure good, out good. what i have going wrong <laughs> i mean I, I i feel like um as we get deeper into the season uh, these two are going to get much closer in the ranks i'm just going to be i'm just going to be so surprised if coming off of a four-week injury if kenneth dixon is all of a sudden getting you know a dozen touches and one running back i'm telling people to start this week is james white uh, we were all excited about him going into the season. And I mean, what do you expect with Jacoby Brizzett and, and Jimmy Garoppolo thrown to him? Now you've got Tom Brady back. I think he gets a lot of touches. And like we saw last year, uh, he was the most efficient running back in football when he got a touch. So, uh, yeah, I have him in the top 25 here. And I know ECR doesn't, but I'm telling people to start him. What do you think? I'm going to be surprised if James White sees more than a dozen touches, too. And I, I you know, the outlook for everybody with Brady back is obviously so much better, right? Like um, we're, we get to see the the full, um, <laughs> the, the you know, it's like the Death Star, right? We, we get to see its full operational capacity all of a sudden this week. Um, and it's a it's just a much better, much better outlook for White. Um but, but I do worry about the touches. I mean, he's still, end of the day, he's going to get like four or five carries and he's probably going to get five or six catches. Um, and he's going to really have to make some noise on a pretty limited workload. So w when I expect the workload to look like that, it's really hard for me to put a guy, well, I don't know. I guess I did it with Lat I've gotten, looking at my ranks right now between 20 and 30, I've got guys in there like, uh, like Fozzie Whitaker and, and Latavius Murray. So perhaps I am too low on James White. I, I, I just see it as a big Garrett Blunt day. Um, I, I would like to think that New England can get up two or three scores against Clint. Maybe that, you know, it's always it's always dangerous to bet on game flow, but I, I see it as a good day for Garrett Blunt and a somewhat quiet day for James White. But, you know, I'm I'm not ruling out the possibility of a long score either because uh, things are just so much better with Brady at the controls. You know, for James White, I'd be really happy if he gets seven or eight touches. Because last year he was getting over a point per touch. He was, he was so efficient. So yeah, give me those seven or eight touches. I'll take nine or 10 fantasy points uh, with or without the touchdown. He's going he's gonna to get some yards this week, I think. I, I guess we'll see on this one. Nah, I you're, also, talking, you're talking me into it. You're talking me into it a little bit. <laughs> I also have Zach Zenner a lot higher than you this week. Tell me what you're seeing in this Lions backfield that thinks it's it's better to steer clear on Zenner. You have him at number 49 right now. I don't think he's any good. And uh, I, I think you're depending on, <laughs> you know, short answer. I don't think he's any good. And you're you're really depending on goal line touches. And, they, uh, you know, it might be there, but he's such a range of outcomes guy, because if he's not if he's not making a plunge into the end zone, I, I don't think you're going to get anything out of him. Um, I, I think it's um, I think if they liked him as much as Washington, he would have been starting ahead of Washington. Uh, I do. I don't see him falling into that. And I, again, I'm assuming that Dwayne Washington is out. Uh, he had the the ankle foot issue last week. I don't think Zenner is a guy who deserves half of the touches in that backfield. They may see it differently, but to me, he's just like a Hail Mary fantasy start, a guy where you're just really, really hoping he gets that one yard touchdown plunge. Now, I see you've got Duke Johnson, number 23. I've been high on him all year. Last year, I told people to start him and it wasn't so great, but uh, fantasy owners are probably scratching their head right now, wondering why we like Duke Johnson after this slow start. 
But I get this one. I mean, the Browns are going to be playing from behind. Is that your reasoning or why do you like Johnson this week? So he's he's finally getting the workload that we were kind of hoping for. I think it was uh, is he not coming off like a 15 touch game, something like that. Um, man, I like both of those backs. I mean, nobody um, few few players have impressed me as my I guess I just said it about Terrence West, but few other players have impressed me as much as Isaiah Crowell has all year. Um, so I, I feel like even in a game where you know, Cleveland may fall behind. They have been very good about getting Crowell 14 to 18 touches a game. Um, and, and I think, I think Johnson is going to be in a position where they're going to have to use him as a receiver. His workload is, has ticked up a bit and just on volume. Um, I, I think he's going to be a good play. I don't, you know, Duke Johnson versus James White would be a discussion because I think White might get like, I don't know, two thirds of the touches that Duke Johnson does, but, uh, he's in a much better offense. Um, I just think the wor- the workload is absolutely going to be there, and and if I'm projecting, you know, 16 touches for a player, it, it is really hard for me to to rank him too low. If you're listening on SoundCloud or some other format and you like the show, please take a quick moment to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. It really helps us get exposure, and, and it's really important because our show is so new and we started two months ago, so um, we need as much exposure as we can get. All right, on over to wide receivers, Andy. You're a big believer in Sammy Coates face the Jets this week. Can you talk about that a little more? Sammy Coates currently leads the NFL in receptions of 40 plus yards. He's done it in every game, sometimes twice. Um, I I know the volume hasn't been terrific, but if I'm, you know, I've, I've already said I've, I've got Big Ben as my number one quarterback this week, the, the Jets past defense has just been a flaming disaster, right? Again, 9.7 yards per attempt allowed, stopping nothing. Um, Coates' is, is potential for a long field-flipping sort of game-changing play is just so obvious. Um, eventually, he's, he's going to start scoring on these plays, yeah. too. That was a great um, stat, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and it's been every game. Like, And he's not you know, you wouldn't learn the receiver position by watching Sammy Coates play, right? Like he's not, uh, <laughs> the, the hands don't always work as well as you'd like them to. Um, I'm, I'm sure he's not an every route in the playbook guy. Um, but he is an explosive athletic talent. I want to say at the combine, he was a, he was a 40 or 41 inch vertical guy, right? Like he's just a, he's just a really good athlete and they are, and they're using him appropriately. He's out snapping Marcus Wheaton, you know, he's out snapping every receiver who isn't Antonio Brown. Um, I'll be kind of surprised if he doesn't find the end zone in a week where I expect Ben to throw probably three touchdown passes. I will be very surprised if Coates doesn't catch one of them. You and I are really far apart on Tajay Sharp at Miami. You have him 16 spots lower than ECR. Why no love for for, uh, Tajay Sharp this week? This has been a year long thing for me, I guess, with Tajay Sharp. Um, I, I, I wasn't I wasn't with the consensus on him coming into the season. Uh, and I guess, I guess I'm not now, not a, just not now. I, I, I will concede that the reasons that I wasn't totally into him coming into the season were, were uh, somewhat flawed, right? Like I thought, I thought Tennessee would lead the NFL in rush attempts and maybe by a lot this year. I mean, I just thought the drafting of Henry along with uh, the addition of Murray just screamed that they wanted to run the ball all day, almost without regard to. <laughs> and they added Ben Jones, which is it's just clear they want to run the ball, right? But um, they've been playing from behind so much, so they don't really have much of an option. 
Yeah, I'm just not I'm just not wowed by Sharp generally. Um, I I didn't buy into a lot of the preseason buzz. Um, I had expected Delaney. I mean, Delaney Walker's obviously had an injury that he's dealing with. Um, I expected him to be the lead receiver in an offense that was not going to produce two startable fantasy receivers. Right. And Sharp coming off. um, Honestly, not a good game, <laughs> right, right? Like a like a really quiet week four, couple of receptions. Um, uh, it's going to take a lot of volume for me to get really interested in Tajay Sharp. I like Richard Matthews a little bit too. I I really think he'll end up being the number one wide receiver for that team. Yeah, I I thought coming into the season that the hierarchy was still no matter what was happening in the preseason, no matter. And I just don't. I like. I'm not going to fall for what you're saying about. And sometimes I'll be wrong, but it's nothing but sunshine about everybody in the NFL in the preseason, right? Like, um, it's annoying, nope. isn't it? Yeah. In fact, it um, it it makes it particularly meaningful when teams actually say lousy things about players, right? Like that is what you need to keep your, 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 your ear to in the preseason. Like who did we hear it about? We heard weird, bad stuff on, um, green Beckham and they kicked him to the curb, right? They just gave him away. They were like, it was, it was, I saw somebody describe it as like, you place the Craigslist ad for a player where you're like, if you'll just come pick him up, you can have him, right? Like that's what they, that's what they did with him. So we bad, bad news on him. And then, um, there were all kinds of bad notes on, uh, uh Jenkins and, you know, the, he was kicked to the curb and, you know, Carlos Williams had a bunch of negative press and he's not going to do a thing this year. So like, it is really notable when we hear bad things about a guy in the off season, doesn't mean a thing. When we hear good things, you should expect to hear good things. So like me, you're not buying into this Victor Cruz stuff. Can you tell us why? He, he, you know, he's one of three. I think the whole story has been really good. I think it's great that Victor Cruz of course, is yeah, yeah. Back. Um, it, but to think that we're seeing anything close to the Victor Cruz of old, I think is a bit of a mistake. Um, I've actually, so I, you know, but before you and I recorded this podcast, I was doing a pod with, uh, Scott Pianowski for, uh, for Yahoo. And we, we were talking about the giants passing game, uh, a little bit this week. This to me is one of those things where like, it looks like a really good matchup on paper, like green Bay's defense to this point in the season, only three games, right? Only three games. So that's a really important caveat. Um, but to this point in the season, they've been as good as it gets against the run, and they have been particularly generous against the pass. I want to I want to say outside of um, the Jets, who we've talked about uh, quite a bit, I think Green Bay is allowing the most yards per pass attempt, right? It's almost nine. It's like eight point something. Um, Without Sam Shields, it's really tough to do anything back there. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is, this is the other thing. They get so many players back this week. I think in that, in that Lions game, they were down four starters and like, you know, Burnett was in that group and Clay Matthews was in that group and those guys are coming back and we're, we're going to get a much better version of the Packers defense than we had um, before the bye. So I just expect them to be a little bit better. Um, so it's really hard for me to, where, where do I have crews right now? Like in the, in the, high 40s low 50s something like that i mean it's it's hard for me to imagine him could he score a touchdown sure it could happen um but I, i'm gonna be surprised i mean he's still to me he's like the third receiver on that team so yeah, he's a really low ceiling. Get? yeah i agree so i see malcolm butler lining up opposite of terrell Pryor and belichick just shutting him down all game i don't think you see it playing out that way based on your ranking for Pryor. i have Pryor really low so i get it but why do you like Pryor this week yeah, I, I really think Terrell Pryor is just a guy that you can't it's it's 
it's never going to be as simple as, oh, we're just going to shadow him with this corner and we'll take him away. Um, because Terrell Pryor is a m- much too versatile uh, of a weapon for that, right? Like you can have him take direct snaps at a wildcat. You can, you can line him up in the backfield. Um, it, this isn't just like a normal receiver where you can say, okay, we're going to move him around the formation a bit and, and see if, you know, uh, the opposing team's best corner follows him. Um, they can't follow him into the backfield. There's just too much that you can do to create, um, to create separation between prior and whoever is going to shadow him. And then I'm just, I'm wowed by him so far this year. And it started not, not in the game where he had five pass attempts, but in week one, he had one of the catches of the year. Um, I, I, in fact, I thought both prior and Corey Coleman had some miraculous catches on poorly thrown balls by RG three, like an opening week. And uh, prior is just a player who, Man, full credit to him for um, continuing to develop as a pro and for taking the whole thing seriously. And he has emerged as a man that that guy is a potential star. I don't know if it's going to happen in Cleveland this year, but an incredibly versatile guy that you just can't. I mean, he's he's far too versatile um, to simply say that we're going to we're going to just dog him with this one corner and he's going to he's we're going to erase him. I don't think you can do it. Andy, I, I hate to say it, but I think you've got me convinced. You, you made some really good points in there. And, uh, you know, yeah, it, it, good, that was good stuff. All right. Now, you like Mike Wallace more, a lot more than I do. Um, so this one's going to be a little more of a task. When I look at him, I see 14 receptions with his 77th in the NFL. Again, players like Cameron Bray, Chris Conley, Josh Ferguson. Is there something that makes you think he's going to have another long touchdown this week? Or what is it to you? I, I resent you for making me defend Mike Wallace. Um, I do, I do not enjoy that. He was a, the most painful fantasy experience these last couple of years. Um, that, the, so the targets were there last week. It was, it was a relatively quiet week for him. Um, the targets have been there uh, again. This to me is mostly about matchup. Um, Washington just doesn't stop at anything. Uh, again, eight yards per pass attempt. 281 uh, passing yards per game allowed. Uh, it, it is a defense where, uh, y- y- you know, I just, I basically expect shootouts every time I, I see that, uh, every time I see Washington on the schedule. Um, I, I don't think uh, it is a particularly daunting matchup. If I like Joe Flacco, and I do, I've got Joe Flacco like top 12 at his position. Um, I, I like Steve Smith this week, and I like Mike Wallace. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't like him in terms of where do I have him ranked? I, I don't feel like I have him ranked as a, as a must start. Yeah. So he's 31 in my ranks. Right. And I've got him around that Sterling Shepard. Um, I was a coward and didn't put Sammy Coates ahead of him, even though I kind of sort of feel like Sammy Coates <laughs> Not too is, late to uh, change. has a better shot at scoring. Yeah. I may, I may yet do that. Um, so I've, I've got him kind of down in that, uh, in that Dorset, Randall Cobb, Mike Wallace, Sterling Shepard. Perhaps I'm not high enough on Shepard. I, I just think Wallace, is uh, potential for finding the end zone in any given week is, is pretty significant. Um, and the matchup is wonderful. I listen, I, I don't think he's a, a do it all receiver. Um, he is not my favorite guy to watch necessarily. Um, but I, I do think he's going to see something like eight to 11 targets and there's a pretty good chance at finding the end zone against Washington. Now, one player I think is startable this week is Patriots number two wideout Chris Hogan. He's playing in 80% of the snaps there. You have him graded right there with ECR, uh, but I'm a little more optimistic on him. Where do you think the Patriots targets are heading this week? Malcolm Mitchell, Martellus Bennett, Amendola? Yeah. 
I, I think that's a, I think that's a really good call. It, some of the, some of the issue with Hogan is just simply not knowing where they're going to go with the football, yeah, right? Great, great like if, um, spread it around. Yeah, he does spread it around. We've got some version of Gronk that is not a hundred percent Gronk, right? Um, and I, obviously, we're never going to learn anything from the Patriots. We'll just have to see it on the field. Um, Gronk has been active as a blocker, but has not been much of a receiver at all. Um, Bennett has been fine. There's just a lot of mouths to feed. Um, I am bullish in that um, Hogan and Brady were tremendous together in the preseason. You can't carry that much of preseason action into the regular into the regular year, but. Um, um, I, I want to say that Hogan may have been Brady's most targeted receiver in the preseason. Um, certainly passed the eye test. Pretty good player. Um, I he liked Malcolm Mitchell a lot too. I, I'm really intrigued by Mitchell as a uh, as a long term kind of prospect. Oh, I think that's a I think that's a good call as well. Um, it is entirely possible that I have too much separation between Hogan and Edelman. Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure I have that right. Like there's a really good chance that, uh, that Chris Hogan finds the end zone here. He's, uh, Scott and I, he's another guy that Scott and I were talking about on the earlier pod because he's, he's just dirt cheap in Yahoo's daily game. He's like a $12 player or something in our daily game. And there's, there's almost no way he doesn't outperform that. I, I, I do like Hogan. Um, if I, if I were, you know, a bolder ranker, I would, I would, probably i would probably rank to the upside instead of ranking to the um you know to the to the fact that we haven't actually i mean it's it's so hard with that team because they've had such a weird quarterback situation at this point in the season and it's hard to take anything that has already happened as predictive in any way of what will happen going forward all right andy we'll do tight end really quick quick quickly now and you have kyle rudolph number three and jason witt number six why do you like both these guys so much i feel like the the toughest question at tight end this week is who you would start over Gronk. Um, Cause I'm just, you know, he's, he's a nightmare. I've got him, I've got him number four right now. I could imagine, I could imagine going down on, you know, depending on practice reports and such, I can imagine lowering Gronk. I mean, absolutely nothing on the season so far. I, I think, I, I think one of the great things about Rudolph and he, he's a guy that I have ahead of Gronkowski. Um, I think one of the great things about Rudolph uh, is that the 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 usage tree in, in, on that team? It's just it's Diggs and Rudolph, right? You know where they're going to go with the football. Um, McKinnon is going to be active, and it's going to be Diggs and Rudolph. I have always liked Rudolph's talent. Um, his first couple seasons in the league, I, I feel like two or three times a year he would make the most insane one-handed catch that was either a key first down or it was a touchdown. Um, he wasn't necessarily getting a lot of volume, but you could see that if that guy were in a situation where he would get 10, 12 targets a game, he could be great. Um, and now we're seeing him getting regular work. They love him. You know, when they get inside the 10 yard line, um, his odds of scoring a touchdown in any given week are, are really, really good. So yeah, I've got, I've got him number three this week. It's not a great matchup either. I mean, he's facing Houston. Houston's been good against the pass. Um, I, I just think Kyle Rudolph has become a, pretty much a bankable fantasy asset, um, with a very high floor and, uh, you know, the ceiling isn't bad either. I, I don't, I don't know that Minnesota is ever going to give us many games where any receiver has multiple touchdowns, but, uh, I love Kyle Rudolph's chances in any given week to give us five catches is in a score. Oh, I haven't even talked about Jason Witten. So, um, J Jason Witten is somewhat dependent on what's going on with Dez. Um, if there's no Dez, then I figure that's eight to 10 targets that are, that are a bit up for grabs and a couple of them go to Witten. Nice little rapport so far between him and Dak. Um, 
and I, I, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I'm extremely bullish on him, but at seven or eight, I mean, I, I think he's a, I'll tell you one guy who is going to leapfrog ahead of Witten is, um, probably Hunter Henry. Now at the moment, I love that guy. Yeah. At at the moment is kind of a placeholder. I just have Henry and Gates right next to each other. I'm waiting for Gates to get ruled out or to be ruled doubtful or something like that. And once that happens, um, Henry is probably going to vault into my top. He'll probably take Delaney Walker's spot. He'll probably be my number five, uh, tight end for the week. That's just a great matchup. That's Um, where I've got him too. Yeah. I mean, Oakland gave up, I think, 12 touchdowns to the tight end position last year. They have not defended it well for a few years. Um, And it's not like Henry has played perfectly clean football over the last couple of weeks, but the volume is certainly there and the matchup is great. Now, we both like the Colts, maybe forcing a few turnovers since they're going to have the lead against Brian Hoyer, who, who slings the ball all over the place. I'm a little more aggressive, though. I have the Colts ranked the number 10 defense this week. Why do you like them? If I, yeah, if if I thought they had more, like if I thought it was actually a great defense, I would I would of course rank them much higher. I, I think it's Davis. It just takes one Vontae Davis play. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, you're right. I think it's an almost certainty that uh, Brian Hoyer gives the ball up at least once, possibly twice. Um, there's going to be three or four head scratching throws. Uh, it, it's going to help the Colts' cause that we do not expect to see Kevin White this week. Um, it's pretty. He's going to be out for a while. It looks like man, sounds, that stinks. Yeah, sounds that way. Um, and he was just beginning to see a fair amount of targets, and you were just beginning to see some of the athletic talent there. Like White is still a guy who, and not that this is. What what you asked about, but when, um, w- when the game slows down a little bit for him, I think you'll see him play faster and I think you'll really see the athleticism and he'll be fun. Um, yeah, I, I could be too, I could be too low on the Colts. I could be talked into that. Um, maybe I should vault them ahead of the, of the Texans. That seems reasonable. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a friendly match, but if, if I liked, if I liked any of the individual players a little bit more, um, I, I'd be higher on them. That's, that's definitely a weakness of mine when I'm ranking defenses. I also think Jordan Howard might be the worst starting running back in the NFL right now. I mean, I I know he was pretty good last week, but if you look at the film, I I don't think that he's going to be able to sustain that. I don't think he was uh, was that exceptional or anything. I think he's going to get plenty of work against the Colts, though. And it's only a question of whether like if the Colts run away from them, um, obviously, it's going to be a difficult week for Jordan Howard. But I, I, you know. I, th- I think he's I don't I don't want to I don't want to talk about him as a superstar. I think he is eventually a committee back somewhere. Um, but I but I do think he is um, I do think he is a guy who will get everything that is blocked for him. And I think he makes a bunch of good decisions. I think he is a little bit limited athletically by the standards of an NFL running back. Um, but I think he I mean, it's not raving about a player to, to say that I think he's a little bit better than Jeremy Langford. And I do think he's a little bit better than Langford. Okay, we're going to close out the show with my favorite part of the podcast every week. We're going to make some week five bold predictions. We'll start at quarterback, and I'll go first. I say Tom Brady's not going to be a top five quarterback. Despite being angry Brady and being against the Browns, I just think they take a big lead early and, um, you know, not pass the ball as much. I mean, I, I get it. Bill Belichick might go college football in the Browns and run the score up to something like 49-6 <laughs> or something. But, you know, he hasn't been with his team. And, you know, you can do all the prep you want mentally and physically on your own, but there's just something about being in sync with your teammates. I think it might take a game. 
Yeah, I like that. I, I like that call. I, that doesn't seem outrageous to me, although I have him as my number five quarterback right now. Um, OK, so here is one. I don't even know how bold this is, given how well he's played. But I haven't I haven't ranked it this way. But I would say that there is a non-trivial chance that Carson Wentz finishes as the top scoring fantasy quarterback of week five. Um, Interesting. Great, you know, yeah, coming off a bye, top 10. Yeah, I've got him. I've got him eight. Um I can I can certainly see a path to him finishing higher than that. Um, he gets he gets for what it's worth he gets Ertz back uh, in all likelihood. Facing Detroit, um, it could be a shootout of a game. Could be um, the great thing about uh, any matchup with Detroit is that they just they're giving up over eight yards per attempt, twelve passing touchdowns on the season. It is clearly one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. They just made Brian Hoyer look like a credible quarterback. Um, not going to surprise me at all if Wentz throws for three touchdowns in this one and, and stays clean in terms of turnovers. I want to make it clear for everyone listening. These are predictions, not projections. Projections are like, you know, if a guy has a range of outcomes, he's most likely to end up here. That 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 is a projection. These are predictions. We're going out on a limb here. So, you know, I'm not going to bank on, I'm going to talk about Jordan Matthews in a second. I'm not going to bank on him being the best wide receiver in football, but um, you know, if I'm making a, a prediction, yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Stuff like that happens every week. So we'll go to wide receiver now. And I have Jordan Matthews finishing as the number one wide receiver. This is a real stretch. I, I get it. It happens every single week. Someone explodes for a big game. And you just talked about Wentz. Uh, I think that Matthews is going to get a bunch of targets. It's a great matchup. Uh, I, I like Matthews a lot this week. He could be the guy. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a guy that I've actually already discussed and say that Sammy Coates finishes as a top 10 fantasy receiver for um, week five. Again, this is this is as good, you know, just statistically, this is about as good a matchup as you can get against the Jets. Almost 10 yards per pass attempt. He's been a big play specialist. He doesn't even need a lot of targets to do this. If he gets six targets in this one, uh, I bet I bet two of them account for like 85 yards and a score. Um, so I think there's a real chance that uh, I think there's a real chance that he finds the end zone um, at least once, possibly twice. All right, running back. This one's not as bold, but I have both Todd Gurley and David Johnson scoring three touchdowns this week. I'm buying Todd Gurley right now. I'm buying him big time. His schedule was near impossible. And now he gets a cake matchup against a battered defense. Um, you know, Eric, Eric Branch tweeted out this great stat about Elliott's longest run against the 49ers was 10 yards. Then Navarro Bowman was hurt and he rattled off 26, 23, 17 in the final 21 minutes. I think Johnson just goes bonkers on the 49ers this week. Yeah, I, I think that's obviously a really good call. Um, I would be, I would be, especially given the the quarterback situation for Arizona. I think that's a great call. Um, there's no way that they don't lean on David Johnson. Um, it, it's like within the range of possible outcomes that he scores four times. I think I'm, I don't, I don't know what I don't, I don't even know where to put the ceiling for David Johnson this week. It could be a great, you know, we never expect huge things on Thursdays, I suppose, but um, it, that could be an absolutely great game. I am going to say that uh, I don't know how bold this is either because the matchup is so tough, but um, I'm going to say that Lamar Miller finishes outside the top 25 running backs, which would be hard to do on his volume. I get it. Um, it is a ton of volume. Um, Minnesota has been so good. Minnesota's in a short week. Maybe that doesn't set up well for Miller. Minnesota is um, the best team ever. They are so impressive, aren't they? That is. 
defense um, is no joke. Like um, oftentimes, even when we're talking about good, like you look at the Packers right now, they're terrible against the pass and they're, they're the best team in history against the run, right? Like there's no way that lasts. Um, I, I almost never buy it when a team is that lopsided. Like usually there's a little bit of Rob Peter to pay Paul going on there. Um, it, when things like that happen early in the season, it usually corrects. Um, Minnesota is great against the run and they are great against the pass. They are allowing 6.4 yards per pass attempt, which is very low. They're allowing 3.6 yards per carry, which is obviously very low. I mean, they just stop everything you want to do. Um, and, and I think that they probably make Miller a focus this week. They say, okay, Brock Osweiler, carve us up. Um, and, and I think it's a quiet week for Miller. And finally, here's my prediction for tight ends. Charles Clay leads all tight ends in targets this week. The one tight end I'm fond, uh, fond of start streaming this week is Charles Clay. Uh, maybe if you're a Jimmy Graham owner, this makes sense. With Sammy Watkins out and the Bills often playing from behind, I think there's a lot of targets up for, grad, up for grabs. And this wide receiver core, it's just abysmal. Then you've got mediocre Charles Clay, who might be their best receiving weapon. So, you know, plus the Rams don't really even try to defend opposing tight ends. So that helps, too. I like that you keep the prediction at uh, targets only. Nobody wants to go out on a limb with actual stats that uh, Charles yeah, Clay is. He, he, he might get two yards in like 15 targets. <laughs> um, I will go moderately bold and say that I'm going to say that Richard Rogers finishes as a top eight tight end this week. And this has something to do with the Jared Cook injury, obviously. I, I expect a I expect a big number from the Packers uh, this week. Obviously, Richard Rodgers is not a um, he's he's never a guy who's going to give you a huge yardage total unless he catches a miraculous hail mary from uh, Aaron. Um, but he's such a red zone weapon for that team. Um, I, I think it's you know we've got the struggles of Randall Cobb to deal with. He hasn't had more than sixty yards in forever. Um, I, I just think Rodgers as a red zone weapon along with Jordy Nelson is pretty natural, um, and I will not be surprised if he finds the end zone here and really at the tight end position if you can just put up 50 yards and a touchdown you're probably a top eight tight end andy that's all the questions we have for you this time thank you again for coming on it was, it was a blast chatting with you and uh looking forward to next time oh i want to i want to thank you guys um fantasy pros just sort of generally has been such a great addition to the industry um in a relatively short period of time you guys have become absolutely indispensable and love what you're doing with content so keep it up thank you andy for those of you listening at home, we've got one more podcast coming out this week, and it's a DFS show with guest Notorious from Roto Grinder. So you know you're going to get some great advice there from him. Please be sure to tune in for that one and just take 20 seconds to hop on over to iTunes, subscribe, and drop us a review. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me just all.